Hey, and welcome to another episode of The Walk. It's, it's a beautiful day. It's so warm. Uh, it's, I thought that summer was over, but we get a few more days of sunshine and rising temperatures. I'm not complaining, because I actually really like this kind of weather when I'm out for a walk. The reason that I'm walking right now is that I just brought my bike to a repair shop. I've got some problems with the tires, and the bike basically didn't have any maintenance throughout COVID. I bought it uh, when I was still working for television, and I needed a, a bike for the whole format of the show. I would usually pretend that I was biking through the Netherlands and visiting all these places and monasteries and, uh, and people on my bike. So there would be, the bike would be visible at the beginning and at the end of, the, of each episode. Um, but that was before, before COVID. And uh, now the, with the winter coming, I felt it was probably a good idea to let them check the, the, whole, the whole bike and uh, the lights and there's a problem with the front tire and everything. So I'm not good and technical at all. <laughs> so I may be reasonably good with computers, but whenever um, there are actually actual physical mechanics involved, I'd rather l leave that to, uh, to a specialist, especially because this is an expensive bike. So I don't want to try these things. I know that you can find um, tutorials about anything on, on YouTube. So I'm sure that there is a tutorial that uh, shows me how to replace the front tire and everything. But I'm so afraid that I do something wrong that I'd rather let them, you know, deconstruct the whole thing and, and, uh, and, and, and reconstruct it properly. This is also a lame attempt at a, at, a, at a bridge to the topic of today's walk, which is about deconstruction and construction. Um, but on a very specific level, I, I'm not going to talk about about bikes, but I would like to talk about something that I've noticed um, is, is that some of the people that I follow on social media, on TikTok, um, and to a lesser extent also uh, on YouTube, sometimes I come across these, um, these people that struggle with something that actually is part of anyone's life. Um, this may, may not be a constant thing, but at, at one or more times in our lives, we have to face the struggle of deconstructing or, you know, it's this um, feeling that we have that we need to deconstruct part of our belief system, value system, our ideals or our behavioral system or all together to, first we, we feel that we have to deconstruct what has been constructed in the past, something that we inherited from the people that raised us, the people that formed us. But in order to make it ours, we sometimes need to tweak it or deconstruct it altogether and construct something that, that is really ours and that fits our, our own value system. And this process of deconstructing and reconstruction of faith um, is often confused with um, with a lack of faith, with with disbelief, with uh, with sin. Even a question that some of the followers that don't know me that well, but come across me on 
on, uh, on YouTube or elsewhere. The question that they often ask me is, do you as a priest never doubt what you believe? Have you always been certain? Is, is the existence of God for you um, a, a certainty? And I always answer, no, and I don't think that it is for anyone. I don't think that anyone can say, I have an unfaltering faith. I always oh, never doubted a second in my life. I never question um, my tradition or the people that, that um, transmit this tradition. Hello, <laughs> little boy who's walking here with his uh, Muslim parents. And he had a little, um, uh, a little tube running into his nose. So he may, and actually I think he was walking around in his pajamas. It looks like it. he's walking around in his pajamas. So maybe he is being treated, um, I don't know, feeding tube or something like that, or medication, I don't know. But, um, so this little boy that, we, that I just crossed, he's being raised in a, in a Muslim family and his parents are from abroad um, they migrated they they came to live here or maybe they are fugitives or I don't know their background but this boy will see his parents as the first and most important source of um, of his faith of his view of the world of his interactions with others he will model that on the faith and on the convictions of his parents and so have I and so have you um, but there will also be moments where you start to realize, oh, well, wait a minute, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm ready to believe everything that people tell me. I, 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 there are times that I question if it may be the validity of everything or maybe certain parts. And then depending on how you were raised, you may see this as a problem as something that you should um, try to push away as fast as possible because uh, doesn't Jesus wants, want us to be believers? Doesn't he chide his apostles and notably St. Peter for not having enough faith? So if I'm starting to doubt my own faith and my own tradition or the people uh, that, that are leaders in that tradition or in that system of faith and value doesn't that equate to something that jesus actually really dislikes um can i cross the road here i don't see uh normally there's a button that i can push so i can safely cross i'll i'll, I'll just go a little bit down the road to a proper pedestrian crossing because um there are quite a few cars here this is rush hour and i'm on the outer side of Wageningen so a lot of people are either coming home from work elsewhere or they are leaving their work here in in the city and and travel to the surrounding villages I think I can cross here legally so the cars at least in theory shouldn't be allowed to run me over however <laughs> it does not uh, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't look left and right. I am actually, this is a crossing for bikes, so I'm still gonna run a little bit. <laughs> ah.
So here on my right are the city gardens. So it, this is where people can rent a patch of land and they can grow uh, their own vegetables and flowers. There, a few of them are like full of of uh, color and others seem a bit abandoned. And then some people use this patch of land to store their their horse or their pony, like the one here, the beige white pony here on my right. Um, so th there is this automatic fear of questioning your faith. But I would say this, um, this deconstruction, this, the, well, before you deconstruct, there's always the question, like, do I really believe this? And how do you deal with that? I think the worst way to deal with those doubts that we all have from time to time, I have those too from time to time, where I wonder, it's that, that age-old question that I've had ever since I started to rediscover my faith is, well, what if in the end I'm, I'm just making it up? What in the end is just a fairy tale and we're just telling this to one another. And as a 17-year-old boy in school, I was sometimes torn apart by, by those existential doubts. And, uh, but, but it doesn't mean that now after a year, uh, after years and years of, of studying uh, philosophy and theology and working as a priest and praying, that... that I'm cured in a certain way of those questions. Not at all. There's always these, this, well, not always, but at times there will be um, occasions where you wonder if, well, is it still true? Is it, do I still believe this? And um, I'm always com comforted by the, the idea that many saints have also struggled with these same situations where um, at times in their lives God was extremely present and uh, they were full of fire and, uh, and zeal and enthusiasm and faith and there were other moments where they felt that God is completely absent, everything is dark, no idea if what I always held as true is still true right now here, uh, here and now. And they had sometimes years of, of doubt and, um, and darkness. Mother Teresa is a prime example uh, of that. Her, most people would agree that she is one of the most impressive new saints that we venerate. But she too struggled for years and years with uh, the, this complete absence of 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 comfort when it comes to faith and, 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 and very, very fundamental doubts um, about God's presence in her life, in, in her work, in her mission. And so that is the first thing I would like to say. It's, it's part of life. It's part of our human existence. If faith would always put us in a state where we are certain that there's no doubt, then it would no longer be faith. Faith is surrendering to something that eludes you. It's not that, that what we believe in is, um, uh, is always 
beyond our our reach and that we can say nothing about it on the contrary there's a lot that we can say about it and we can also say a lot of things that um that we know uh, are are not faith um there are values um universal values i think that with the use of our conscience we can all discern even when you're not a believer even if uh, you've never been raised with this idea that there is a god there are still fundamental universal values that i think originate from god um, but that you can perceive and that you can reason with and that you can follow Um, so that is that is important, but it doesn't mean that then the entirety of, well, in my case, the Christian tradition is something that you are always ready to embrace, never blink a second when it comes to what the, this Christian faith um, communicates and, uh, and, and uh, how it is applied in the actions of its members. Um, so... Why do I want to tackle this particular topic? So um, I've been following a few people on TikTok and YouTube um, that are sharing this process of deconstructing the faith that they inherited from their parents or from their local church, um, as well as their attempts to reconstruct a new faith or a new version of faith. Uh, And I am... I'm very glad that I, that I found those people and that I follow them because it shows me that this is a, this is a process that, that is part of our journey of faith. And honest seeking of the truth can never be a bad thing. Um, I will give you a few examples. There's this one uh, former pastor who just last year, I think, still worked for an evangelical community in, um, in the United States somewhere, I suspect in the south of the U.S. Uh, and he was born and raised in the evangelical faith. I'm not sure if it was Baptist or something else, but, but very much the type of uh, congregation that believes that the Bible is all literal, Everything in the Bible is true because it is the Word of God. There are no contradictions in the Bible. Um, and so whenever you encounter something in real life, in the world, or in science, that seems to contradict the Bible, then the Bible is right. And the science is wrong. So if you deduct from reading the Bible, literally, that creation is how the world came about and creation in a very literal sense it took seven days and then the flood and this all happens factually historically then um a concept uh, like or a theory like uh, evolution um despite the fact that it has a, a huge huge amount of science behind it and data uh, becomes something that uh, you don't want to allow in your own way of thinking because it seems to contradict the veracity of the Bible. And if you start to doubt the literal truth of the Bible, then everything starts to crumble. Because where are your anchor points if you lose the foundation of the truth of the Bible? So it's one example. 
He, he grows up in that church, becomes a pastor. Um, but over time, he's a young man. He, I think he's in his 30s. Um, he raises a family. He's got kids. But he starts to have trouble with the sometimes very disrespectful way in which his church looks down on on people that uh, in their eyes are not faithful, not, are not true faithful, don't adhere to every single dogma, every single um, uh, ethical rule that they have defined for their members. And it becomes even more personal when his wife um, starts, I think, a small business with... Uh, with Reiki or something like that, or I don't know, something that uh, for, for most of his congregation is the work of the devil. And, and then all of a sudden, he, as a pastor, is confronted with the wrath of his own, his own faithful that turn against him, or turn against his wife, and then subsequently also turn against him. And, and he feels that, well, it's, it's not just about whether um, whether what, what, what his wife does is compatible or not with the Christian faith. That's a different discussion, but he is um, shocked by the, by the attitude and the, the lack of charity and the lack of, uh, um, of openness of, of the church that he felt was his. And so that starts a process a while ago where he begins to question his own faith. And, well, you know, I'm, I, I've always been taught that the Bible is literal truth. But the more I study, the more I feel like, well, that's wrong. That's, that's not true. And, but his congregation demands him to keep adhering to what everybody believes in that particular um, in that particular uh, subgroup of Christians. And it goes all the way to... So at first he tries to um, to preach about it and he tries to change the attitude of his congregation. And uh, because he sees that this same um, attitude of intolerance and total lack of charity is also visible in way more than just the, their attitude towards his wife. It, it, it translates in the way they look at, uh, at migrants, in the way they um, make political choices, uh, the way they talk about pro-life and at the same time are very much pro-guns and pro-violence against anything that might threaten your, your independence and everything. And the more he starts to allow those questions in his own mind and in his prayer, the more he feels like, I cannot go on like this. I, this. The belief system that I grew up with, the values are no longer not entirely mine anymore. There are a lot of uh, parts of, of my faith where I make different choices and I have a different view on, on what the Bible teaches and what science tells us. And so, ultimately, even before he makes a decision himself, they kick him out, and he is being, being rejected uh, in a very, very nasty way. And it, it's at that moment that he starts to chronicle his own 
deconstruction of his faith because uh, and, and I can only imagine what that does to someone if you, if you uh, if you've been a pastor you've been the spokesperson of that particular uh, uh, group of, of faithful that all of a sudden you are choosing against the parts of that message and then uh, thankfully this is of course someone who has studied the Bible who has been studying theology um, so he he um, he reaches out to other um, Christians and theologians uh, on on TikTok, and there are a number of other fellow Christians that are in the same process uh, of of and and it strikes me that oftentimes these people come from an evangelical background, but of course you find exactly the same with former Catholics who struggle with their the way in which they were raised and what they always felt believed was the Catholic faith and Catholic morals and now they are rejecting um, what they believe is uh, is the faith of their, of their church. Um, I also noticed it in uh, on YouTube. I was following a film critic, so a guy who is very much uh, um, interested in, in the same type of movies that I like and uh, does a terrific job reviewing those movies and uh, looking for the deeper meaning and deeper themes in those stories. And, and, and he, um, a while ago, he posted a video which was much more personal where he's, he explained that he had been cast out of his family and uh, all his friends and acquaintances because he used to be a member of the Jehovah Witnesses. And same thing. That was that was his his faith system, his value system. But the more he was expanding his mind by watching these movies and TV shows, the more he got criticized for having such a broad interest. For a lot of his fellow believers, movies were mostly a tool of the devil, unless they were propaganda for the the, the Jehovah's Witnesses' faith. Um, a lot of the books that he loved to read, the music that he listened to, it was all considered to be um, part of his um, of him falling down basically and, and losing his faith and was frowned upon at first and then later on was more and more judged and rejected until uh, he decided that he needed to get out because he no longer shared anything with this group of people. But that meant that his parents were obliged by the leaders of the, his, his uh, Jehovah's Witnesses church to uh, formally denounce him and to kick him out. Now, this is uh, also for him the beginning of a, of a process of, uh, of re-evaluation. And what I appreciate in, in a lot of these journeys that these people share is the honesty that they have the the courage to 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 allow doubt to allow these questions to arise to sit with them instead of running away from them and to explore what do i truly believe what can i believe what is the truth and it's this quest for truth that i think defines the faithful it's something that we need to do we are never um, 
the ones who possess the truth. The moment you think that you understand everything and that everyone else is wrong, you're basically creating a sectarian version of faith. Uh, and you be, the risk is that you become extremely tolerant towards anyone. Well, that's nice. Uh, someone on a bike with uh, music. <laughs> he's, he's carrying, I, I think, a, a Bluetooth speaker somewhere in his pocket. So, um, the, uh, the, the, if you never doubt, or you tell yourself that you never doubt, and, and you, you close, close the doors and the windows to everything that surrounds you, um, that is a false sense of security that I think robs you from, um, from this adventure that faith is, where it's okay to not be certain as long as you keep searching for the truth. And this, I think, requires uh, faith to a certain extent, even though it may be perceived as, well, it's a lack of faith, but I think it is a sign of faith when people dare to question their beliefs, their values, uh, their ideals and their behavior, as long as they are open to God's Spirit who guides us to the truth, who, who communicates God's will to us. How can God be opposed to this quest for truth? And what do we have to fear if we say that God is the way, <laughs> that, that Jesus is the way, the truth, <laughs> um, and, and the life? Wouldn't God... Would God immediately crumble? Um, would our faith uh, disappear the moment we dare to ask a few questions? Or the moment that we read a book that is not um, authorized by, uh, by uh, the local church or by the bishop or by the pope? This, this, this is, I think, a sign um, of immaturity in faith when, when people feel the need to um, to push everything away that might uh, uh, be contrary to what they believe. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that you have to be completely unfiltered when it comes to whatever you consume. No. In fact, I think this is tr- important for both faith and anything else that we consume, all that, what we read, what we watch, the people we follow, the voices that we listen to, that is the construction process. And when we are small, when we are children, we kind of take it for granted that the people that raise us, the adults, that they know what is true. But it's when we grow older that we start to think for ourselves that I think it's a very good process that we start to evaluate everything that we've received and question it if necessary and maybe at one point deconstruct this. There's another uh, woman that I follow. She's a mother of a, of a small family and she's also a pastor, um, a, a priest in uh, the uh, Episcopal Church, if I'm not mistaken. But she is coming from... Um, a, an evangelical background and uh, it's a very 
energetic woman, uh, very uh, interesting to follow, um, good sense of humor, and, uh, and also, I think, a very good theological kind of common sense attitude. And she follows a number of people that I also follow on TikTok. Um, there's this guy who is um, uh, a, 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 a biblical scholar, even though he himself is a member of the Mormon church, but he knows so much about, uh, the, about scripture, about the history of Christianity. And, and oftentimes in his videos, uh, he deconstructs a lot of kind of the common misconceptions when it comes to the Bible, to what Jesus apparently uh, has said or hasn't really said. And so he gives a lot of context to these kind of common beliefs that Christians um, at times even use as weapons. And this is one of his own um, areas of focus where he will um, deconstruct the arguments of people that use the Bible or if you look at the facts, actually abuse the Bible, interpret it in a very slanted, uh, one-sided way to, so that the Bible serves a very non-Christian uh, attitudes. And you can, you can basically take the Bible and let it, and you can use it to defend any position. Why? Because the Bible constantly contradicts itself. The Bible is not a history book. It's not all factual. The Bible is a collection of, an, of a whole wide range of books written in different cultures diff at different times with different purposes. And if you don't know the context of these books, and even if you are a little bit, a little bit disingenuous and you try to kind of interpret the Bible in a way that serves you more than it serves the scripture itself, it becomes a very slippery slope. So anyway, this, uh, uh, this woman also follows uh, this same account. And, it, it, and you see a similar struggle. She totally is sympathetic towards this effort of deconstruction. Facts are important. Data is important. You need to know what you're talking about. Theology is not just an opinion, even though it is always, of course, personal. And there is no such thing as objective theology. Um, there is, there is, there's always a bias. Um, but as long as you are aware of, of how you read Scripture, that is not a problem. And so she takes issue with the, the idea that a lot of followers of the other guy have, that um, uh, all Christians basically are abusing the Bible and it's all ideology, um, uh, but uh, it's, it's um, masquerading as science. But ultimately, um, when you start deconstructing the Bible, faith doesn't, um, is unable to, uh, to hold its own. And, and basically, once you start de deconstructing the Bible, uh, everything falls apart. She takes issue with that, and so do I. And in one of her more recent videos, she says, well, yes, data is important. We should study scripture, but it doesn't mean that dogma, uh, because the, the other guy says always, I prefer data 
over dogma, as if dogma is a bad thing. And she says, no, it's not. There are dogmas in, in each faith. There are certain truths that you hold as universal, that you believe in, that you apply, that are that have incredible value to your life and inform your choices. And, and th- th- with, from those from within that value system, you look at the Bible and sometimes it's, it's very valid to have an interpretation of the Bible that helps you um, and, and, and where you apply the gospel to our current situation. As long as you are aware that you're doing that and as long as it, it doesn't contradict what the Bible tries to convey or the, I should say the biblical writer tries to convey as long as you are aware of the context of then and, and the context now in which you are reading this, then all those extra layers of meaning, not a problem. It, it adds uh, to, to the richness of, uh, of Scripture. It's what I've often used as an example, is, uh, is music. You can, you can play the notes as they were written by Mozart or Bach, but that becomes unlistenable if you play a midi file uh, midi file is a digital version of the of the notes of a partition it sounds it doesn't sound like music because any artist will interpret that music will add something of his or her own personality to that music now formally you could say hey that's dogma that is interpretation that is belief but it's it's not factual because it's not in the notes no it's not but this is what makes music music. <laughs> it is a combination of what you've been handed over and then your own interpretation and your own values. This is exactly what this journey in faith is. If you deconstruct faith, and even your own, if you're critical towards your own um, belief system and you start to wonder if you still share the values that you were brought up with, it is a, it's a perfect moment to ask yourself, well, what are my values? And are they compatible with this particular interpretation of the Bible, with uh, this denomination that I, uh, that I uh, am a, a member of? And I would say that is, that is a, a very positive process as long as you keep an open mind and an open heart and you weigh things and you you are always open to arguments that may prove you wrong. If there's one thing that the word dogma evokes that I think is is very uh, bad for faith, it's a dogmatic attitude where you don't let anyone question your beliefs. You You don't want anything in your life that could somehow make you doubt. No. A dogma is much more like an anchor. It's, it's, it's a pillar of what you have built your life on. And uh, it doesn't mean that uh, you cannot ask any questions. But uh, it could very well be that you're the person who is wrong. And uh, there's this meme on the internet where you see this guy sitting at a table and uh, usually uh, there's a, a sign underneath the table that says something to the extent of there are multiple versions of that, like Iron Man is the best Avenger, prove me wrong. And then basically it's an invitation 
for uh, people that see that meme to bring counter arguments. <laughs> that is the attitude that I think is, um, is very valuable in faith, where you, um, you, you may have your convictions, you may have your dogmas, but it is, it is an occasion for growth if you open yourself up to voices, to other voices that may have a different opinion. As long as it is an honest exchange of ideas and honest dialogue and in, in a common pursuit of the truth, then that cannot truly hurt the truth. It cannot destroy your relationship with God because God is the truth that you are searching for. Um, it becomes, of course, very different if you feel that someone is trying to manipulate you, is trying to force you to believe things that you are not comfortable with. Uh, or displays behavior that might be the opposite of how you understand the faith or the Bible or, or your tradition. And uh, in those cases, sometimes you have to be strong and say, well, that's your opinion, but I hold on to my belief. So it is, that's what makes this journey so interesting. Sometimes you have to be strong. Sometimes you have to hold on to, to those values and to those dogmas that have been handed over. In other moments, it's a sign of strength if you let go of those certainties and you let yourself be challenged by other ideas and you try to expand your knowledge and your mind. There's never a bad thing about learning. This is why I am so uh, critical of this whole movement that you see currently in certain parts of the United States with so many books being banned because uh, people, teachers and parents feel that they could be dangerous for their children. Um, you know, that is what happens in, in sectarian movements. This is what happens in totalitarian systems where books are banned, where um, people are, um, are pushed back in line by... Um, setting boundaries uh, around what they can read, watch, listen to, and enter in dialogue with. You see this same attitude a little bit in the, uh, I think, still very scattered controversy in certain circles around this synodal process that Pope Francis is beginning uh, in October, where he has invited the whole church to enter into a dialogue, to common in a common process discover what is God's will, what is the direction that the Holy Spirit points us towards in, in, in this age, in this era of the church and of the world. And, uh, and there is, are some people are so worried about that and not, not go way beyond worried. They start almost a, an ideological crusade against the Pope, against um, this process out of fear, out of fear that it might actually undermine the pillars of faith. And when I look at that attitude, I'm thinking it is a, such a missed opportunity to learn. If you are so certain of what you believe and of the value of your ideas and uh, uh, and, and faith, why are you worried? If it is the truth, if it is what God wants us, do you really believe that God is against us talking and reevaluating and thinking about all these themes? 
how did doctrine and dogma even uh, come about in the church? It is because of sometimes very intense, contentious dialogue and fights and even <laughs> like verbal wars between church fathers and between bishops. And um, there is no synod in the history of the church without its moments of strife and, and, uh, uh, and, and debate. But ultimately, when the dust settles, somehow the Holy Spirit points into a certain direction and, and things start to crystallize and, and something beautiful can emerge. And this is what I would like to, um, in, in, in conclusion, would like to uh, uh, convey to you is whenever you feel these moments of doubt where you feel, well, I, I no longer share these values. Don't be afraid to deconstruct and to look critically at who gave you these convictions. Um, are they really based on scripture, on what the Catholic Church teaches? Or, uh, you know, how does it hold up? Or is it just an opinion? I'll give you one final example. Uh, when I grew up, uh, my parents were... Uh, very much uh, involved in parish life and um, and this was a time where the church in the Netherlands and in the most of Europe but but it, the Netherlands was on the forefront was in in uh, a process of a very uh, big change changes and there was a, a loud voice from a large part of the of the faithful and even of the priests and some bishops that church doctrine should change and uh well all these hot topics like uh birth control and and celibacy and doctrine and dogmas it should all you know everything basically was put in question my parents were good friends with uh, uh, a bishop who was appointed by the Pope back then as a kind of a countermeasure against all those questions and all the, all, all the everything became uh, an opinion instead of that there would still be anchors in when it comes to faith and church doctrine. And so my parents were always very much kind of fighting against all that, those, those, those liberals in the church, etc. Um, and as a child, I, I, kind of followed that and I, I, I was certain that my parents were right and then all these people that were critical of the Pope they were wrong and I remember in, in, in high school when I was 16 years old or 17 years old and I started to, to, um, to make the, my faith my own I needed those anchors I, need, I was very black and white I was extremely critical to, to teachers that I felt were betraying the catholic faith because they were they dared to be critical of john paul ii and of of the church and everything and i know where that came from it was what i needed back then was to feel that i belonged to something that you could rely on something that gave me direction and i felt so insecure about my own faith because i was on the on the verge of becoming an adult and I had to think this through but I had no knowledge of 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 faith I hadn't studied theology philosophy or or biblical studies so um 
that, that's why I, I just took it for granted. My parents were right, and yeah, no discussion about faith, please. Now that I'm so much older, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm glad I didn't encounter young young Roderick <laughs> nowadays, because I would I would frown at that attitude. Um, but maybe I would just understand, and I would probably tell this younger version of myself. But sure, I understand why why you are allergic to all this perceived liberalism in the church, and and uh, why uh, you feel the need to um, to be to belong to uh to uh, the, the 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 church of all times and but but know that it is okay to ask questions and that even the greatest saints and the most important church fathers that have formed the basis of your faith they too had their questions they too sometimes were opposing the the pope and uh, uh I, there were there were very famous saints nowadays that actually went to the Vatican to chide the Pope to tell him he was wrong and things had to change. And now they are saints. <laughs> but back then they were regarded as enemies of, of, uh, of faith. Look at a saint like St. Saint, saint Joan of Arc and how she was treated. Look at, at young Bernadette Subiru from Lourdes and how she was maltreated by the church and... Um, and put away basically in a, in a monastery, uh, and, and 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 they tried to to silence her because she was so it was too much for the church back then, and and some people saw it as a as a menace. Uh, it, it's it's part of life uh, that um, to ask questions, um, and the one advice that I would always give, even to my younger self, is. Always ask yourself, where is this feeling that I have, this resistance, where is it coming from? Is it because you truly believe that this is important, this is a pillar, this is part of who you are and how you want to live in the world? Is it based on on your values, this attitude, or is it based on fear? Because you're uncertain and you feel like anything that is doesn't agree with your current value system is a threat and makes you feel insecure. And so you use aggression to shield you from those questions. That second attitude is never fruitful. There's much more benefit in, in uh, accepting these doubts and to work through them, to, to use your God-given brain to, <laughs> to read, to inform yourself and questions are always the first step towards true wisdom. So don't be afraid of those moments of doubt. Embrace them and thank God in prayer for those moments of doubts, even if, if he doesn't respond, even if you still feel like, well, I'm actually not sure if I'm, I'm, I'm really praying to God or if this is just my brain that is making this all up. Pray nevertheless, because that's what faith is about. Faith is to move forward even if you don't always see everything all right that's that's enough i'll continue uh, my walk with my patrons if you would like to listen to the premium versions of my podcasts i invite you to join the community of patrons take a look at patreon.com slash father roderick